Well, good morning, everybody. We're having uh, some technical difficulties with getting live going. Maybe it's going now. Uh, if it is, welcome to those of you who are watching live. And uh, in the midst of all this, I didn't get my notes ready. <laughs> so if you'll just give me a second here, we'll, uh, we'll get it ready. I had my iPad all charged up. I went to get it this morning, and uh, it was on inside my, but not on on. It was just like draining the battery, and uh, I think I've got enough battery here. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's actually gone from bad to worse. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, this week is just to encourage you to fill out that uh, communication card online, and whether you're doing watching at home uh, or whether you're here, if you get that chance to please do that. One of the reasons is that right now, as we are uh, scattered in so many ways, worship scattered, and even even here, it's so good to to connect, to know who's connecting to be able to know who might be having trouble connecting or maybe going through something so that we can follow up on them, that kind of a thing. And so the only way we can know that is if people are actually participating. So we would love for you during this time to, to do that. And we made it a little bit easier, like to put in prayer requests. As soon as we made it easier, it's unbelievable, about five times as many prayer requests as we normally get. So when you sign in, you can put the prayer requests in there, you can put your comments in there. And uh, so it's a, it's a lot easier than it was. You don't have to link to something else. So this is a series that I'm very, very excited about. We are starting a brand new series on the book of Jonah. And it's going to be seven weeks long. And uh, it's called Experiencing Amazing. And I think that'll become even more and more why we called it that as we get into the series. Maybe not exactly today, but uh, as we get into the series. Book of Jonah is a book about sharing God's heart. That's really what it's about. It's about sharing God's heart for people who are far from Him. And, um, and so, uh, you know, we oftentimes think of it, it's about a fish, it's about going into the fish. Those are only a few verses uh, in the whole book. It's really a book about God's heart. And it's also a book that reveals what's oftentimes going on in our hearts. How it is that we oftentimes are not sharing God's heart for people that are far from him. And, uh, and what happens when we do that? Uh, what happens when we resist God's mission on our lives or when we, uh, in, in some ways, uh, neglect God's mission in our hearts? Uh, we need the message of Jonah, uh, all of us do, every single one of us do, uh, to inspire us, to equip us, to share his message of grace and love with a world that's far from him. We need this message so that we'll join Jesus in his mission. We need the message of Jonah so that we will constantly be a part of what God is doing in the world. We need to raise, in a sense, and, and really all of us do on a continuing basis, we need to raise the outreach temperature of our own hearts so that loving and reaching out to people far from God is our new normal. It's a lot of language about new normal these days. I, I really want for Five Oaks, for our new normal to be that our, our outreach temperature is higher than it's ever been. And by outreach temperature, what I mean is a, an inward heart 
passion for God's mission in the world. Um, we, uh, we all have an outreach temperature. Uh, right now, at, at this given time, right now, some of us, we're cold. Uh, some of us are hot. The outreach temperature is hot. Most of us are someplace in between uh, in, in that outreach temperature. So one of the things that we're going to have during this series and probably during the next series at the very bottom of the sermon application guide is a little outreach temperature gauge. And uh, I want to encourage you to fill that out right now. Just, just ask yourself, what, what is my outreach temperature? What's my passion for God's mission in, in the world? And let's see if over time you start seeing that inch up a little bit more uh, throughout this series. This series is going to be followed right after uh, this Jonah series, Experiencing Amazing. It's going to be followed by a series uh, that will get really practical about how we can can do that. Um, Because when our outreach temperature is hot, the reality is that we bless the world. We bless the people around us uh, with the message and with a life that demonstrates the gospel and words that demonstrate the gospel. It also works the other way around. When we're involved in Christ's mission, one of the things that happens is our outreach temperature goes up. So this is not just a, I got to get my outreach temperature up so that I will get involved in Christ's mission. It's sometimes taking actions of mission will actually raise our outreach temperature. Today, we're looking at how easy it is to kind of neglect that, um, how easy it is in the way that I'm going to be putting it during this sermon, how easy it is to exit God's story. Um, This story of God that he is weaving to bless the world through his people. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, but we're also going to be talking about how to get back in, how to re-enter that story. God is weaving a story and he invites us to be willing participants, even as partners in the great and grand story that he's weaving. And that word partnership is one that God uses in Scripture. He wants us to be partners with him in his mission. Jonah is a prophet, but when the story that God is weaving veers from the one that he thinks he signed up for, what he thought God should be doing, when it veers from that, um, he exits God's story, or he tries to, in a very dramatic way. This story is filled with irony. Can you exit God's story? I mean, we're going to look at whether you can do that or not. Um, it's filled with humor. Yeah, you're supposed to laugh at, at times in this story. Uh, it has sarcasm all throughout. When we did Esther last fall, uh, I said there are satirical elements in Esther, a lot of satire. There's satire in Jonah. Uh, the Hebrew people wrote books and God inspired books that are oftentimes filled with all kinds of humor and satire and all those kinds of things. This is a brilliantly told story of what happened when God called Jonah the prophet to go and preach to Israel's greatest enemy. It's brilliant. It's brilliant in the way that a great story pulls you in And you are watching the main character in the story. And as the main character keeps making choices, there are going to be times where you're just going to stop and you're going to go, how can anybody be so dumb? How can anybody be so possibly stupid? And right at the pinnacle of the story where you're just saying, this person is the dumbest person that I have ever read about or heard about, all of a sudden you realize it's you. (laughs) The story is about you. 
And that's what's so brilliant about it. So Tim Mackey, the theological mind behind the Bible Project videos that many of you, if not all of you, have seen. Uh, Tim Mackey, he's the one with the quirky voice uh, on the videos. Um, he, he compares Jonah, Jonah's storytelling, the way the story is told in Jonah, to uh, an action movie where the good guys are moving in to go rescue some people, all right? So, you know, it's, it's, you see these, these special ops people, and they're going in, and they've got their, their night goggles and everything, and they're, they're moving in. And, and just at the moment when it, they're going to surprise the enemy, just at the moment where they're ready to break in, they break into the room, and nobody's there, and they look around, and there's a dot you know, one of those laser dots on every single one of them. You've seen movies like that, right? It's just the unexpected turn in the story. That is the book of Jonah. Right when you least expect it, it just points the dot right at, right at you. And, um, and so it's just, it's brilliant in the way that it's done. So today we're going to look, we're going to see Jonah exit the story. We're going to see how easy it is as God is uh, is God is unfolding his story for us to exit the story. Now, I'm not saying that we actually can exit the story, but how easy it is for us to try to get out of the story, to not have anything to do with his story. Exiting God's story is really the path of least resistance. That's why it's so easy to do that. And then we're going to look at what it takes to stay in the story. Exiting is easy. Staying is easy challenging. So we're going to pray that God illuminate his scripture to us, then we're going to hear the scripture read, and then we'll have a video where I shot a portion of this sermon from docks, as you think of Jonah heading for the docks that we're going to see today. So uh, today's prayer is based on Proverbs chapter 2. Please read the underlined portions when we're done with this prayer. I'm going to continue praying just for a couple of moments, okay? So Let's not kick into the video right away. I forgot to warn the technicians about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we turn our attention to you as we look to your word. We ask that you would help us to listen. Tune our ears to hear your voice. Open our hearts to the work of your spirit. Give us wisdom and understanding as we seek to know you more and guide us to follow wherever you lead. Father, there are so many needs, and we're going to be praying about these in just a few moments, but there's just two that I want to pray about right now. I want to pray for the people of Beirut with the destruction that's happening there. And there's ministries that have kicked into gear, but there's also ministries there that have experienced um, death and, and uh, physical destruction around them. Father, I pray that uh, somehow the nations of the world will be able to help in the midst of the coronavirus. Father, also uh, very heavy on, I think, all of our hearts as we're going into a new school year and people are making some uh, big choices as to how that's going to happen. Some families, no matter what we do, some fam no matter what is done, some families are going to suffer, some kids are going to suffer. And Father, I just pray... Um, that you would help us to make it through this time uh, as a nation and even as a world uh, as school kicks in, uh, at least in the northern hemisphere, Father. I pray 
uh, that you would uh, keep kids safe, keep teachers safe, administrators, staff in schools. And I pray, Father, that uh, learning will be able to take place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's scripture is taken out of Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The prophetic call on Jonah in verses 1 and 2, and then the switch that happens between verse 2 and 3, is jarring. It's completely unexpected, and it's unprecedented if you're familiar with the prophetic books of the Bible. The call is to go to preach to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. God's prophets rarely get called to go preach to anyone outside of God's coming in people. It's really a misconception about the prophets in the Old Testament. Their fire and brimstone sermons that sometimes they preached are always pointed at the people of God, at God's own family, but not here. This is one of the exceptions. And if you're familiar with the other prophetic books, when they start in the same way that Jonah starts, what follows is the message that God has given the prophet. And that's what makes what happens next so jarring. Instead of preaching the message God gave him, Jonah runs. And the book tells a story of Jonah running instead of recording the prophecies. It eventually gets to the prophecy, not prophecies. And when it gets to it, it's a five-word sentence in the Hebrew language. The reality is there's nothing like it in the Old Testament. So... God invites Jonah into the next chapter of God's own story. Even though God can go and speak to Nineveh directly himself, he invites Jonah into the next chapter of his story. God rarely speaks directly. Instead, he regularly partners with us in his story. But Jonah exits the story. He boards a boat headed in the opposite direction of Nineveh to a city that all the readers know is the farthest one that they can reach. In our language, we would say Jonah just headed for Timbuktu. Jonah exits the story. Exiting God's story is our default response ever since Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree. Do I really need to demonstrate that? I don't think so. Sin is exiting the story of God. It's choosing our story over God's story. It's easy, and it's our default. So how do we enter or re-enter the story of God? Well, it begins by trusting the author. My sister-in-law, Lynn, works in a home for single moms uh, who are just going through some difficult circumstances and what they get is a year of very low rent and, and some help with their kids. They get some uh, spiritual direction in their life, some 
Bible studies, job training to help them get them back on their feet. And at the end of the year, they get, I think, most, if not all, of their money back from the rent uh, when they're ready to launch. A few weeks ago, she went out with one of the residents and her three-year-old daughter, the resident's three-year-old daughter, to take some pictures of them on a dock. The three-year-old was out in front of them a bit when she saw the water and she took off running uh, at full speed. The mom and Lynn screamed for her to stop and, and started running to stop her. But this little girl didn't even slow down. She reaches the edge of the water and runs right in. But this isn't a beach. This is a canoe launch area and it's man-made and immediately drops eight feet. She's in eight feet of water. Her mom is right behind her and she jumps in and even though she's not a very good swimmer and she, uh, she has no idea when she jumps in that she can't stop touch the ground either. And somehow she manages to get her daughter's head out of the water and Lynn pulls the three-year-old to safety. And then someone else came along and reaches in and pulls out the mother. The mother sobbed for 30 minutes straight. You can, you can only imagine. Why did this three-year-old run into the water? Well, she told them, she kept repeating puddle, puddle. She thought it was shallow. She thought it was a puddle. But why didn't she stop when her mom and Lynn were screaming for her to stop. Her daughter's default is to run for what she wants and completely ignore her mom. She really, up to that point in her life, hadn't experienced very many consequences for it. In fact, this is a pattern that her mom is now trying to correct. This three-year-old simply didn't understand the dangers, or more importantly, she didn't trust her mom who knows what's best for her as her mom pursues her and calls out to her. To enter or to re-enter the story of God, we have to trust the author, even when what he's asking us to do makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to us. All right, so I'm going to repeat that. To enter or re-enter the story of God, we have to trust the author even when what he's asking us to do makes no sense to us. Preaching to Nineveh is incomprehensible to Jonah. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We learn that later. Um, we, we learn that later in the story. We learn that he's not scared. You would think that maybe Jonah is scared. I'm going to have to go preach repentance to our worst enemies. I'll be killed. I'm it's not going to work, go very well, but that's not what, he, what it is. What he's afraid of is that it's going to hit home. He's afraid that he'll preach and the people will respond. Now, you can't understand the story of Jonah unless you understand that. And in reality, it's a very short story. It only takes uh, a, a few minutes to read the whole book of Jonah. So there's a, this reveal that comes a little bit later in the story, but it's not that much later in time. Now, because we're going to be spending seven weeks in this, it's going to take us a while to get there. But you need to know that ahead of time because it's one of those kinds of things that makes you go back and look at everything else that happened in the story. And you start realizing he wasn't, he wasn't afraid for his life. He's running because he's scared that they will actually respond. He has really good reason to hate Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were absolutely the cruelest nation on earth in that day. 
the things that they would do their, to their enemies, when they would conquer a city, the things that they would do, I can't even go into the description because there's kids listening. But if you know what happens in a slasher horror movie, that's the kind of thing that they would do routinely when they would defeat, defeat a city. You can't imagine, if you're sitting there wondering, I wonder what they did, did they? You can't imagine something worse, more torturous than what they would do to their enemies, and I'm not exaggerating. Jonah exits the story of God because, well, he thinks he has a better story. <laughs> Obviously, why, why leave a better story? He thinks he has a better story, even though he is not happy. We're going to see that next week. He is, he's miserable, so miserable, he just goes down to the bottom and he sleeps, such a deep sleep that when there's a storm, he doesn't even wake up. How many times do we choose a story of misery and guilt and hardship in spite of God's invitation to join him in his story? Reality is that we do that routinely because sin is exiting God's story. Every time we sin, we're exiting God's story. All right, so to enter or to re-enter the story of God, we have to trust the author, even when what he's saying makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Why not run for the puddle? Why are they trying to stop me from having fun? Second thing to re-enter the story, God's story, it helps in a big way to remember the story so far. To know God's story and to remember the story so far. Jonah already has in his time, historically, he already has the story of Abraham. He's got the story of Abraham and Isaac. He's got the story of Moses. He's got the story of Jericho. If you're not really familiar with the Bible, uh, we do a course called uh, The Story of God. We'll be offering it this fall online, and I hope you'll join us for it. If those things didn't ring bells, it, it, it'd be a great course for you especially. It made no sense for Abraham, when he was called by God, out of nowhere, he's just an idolater, just living his life, building riches, and God tells him to leave his, his land and leave his family and go to a place. Basically says, I'll tell you when you get there where you're going. It made no sense whatsoever for Abraham to take his son, the son of promise, the son that he had in his old age, and now this son is, he's probably now, 30 years beyond childbearing years. And he says, take the son that I told you is the son of promise, the one that's going to bring descendants who are going to bless the world. Take him and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, if you don't know the Bible, that doesn't happen. He doesn't sacrifice him. Uh, but Jonah had that story of that call on Abraham's life. It made no sense for Moses to go into Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the land, and say, uh, let my people go so that they can go worship in the desert. Made no sense whatsoever. Made no sense when Joshua is leading the people of Israel into the promised land and they have to go against Jericho. And God says, I want you to march around and then blow trumpets. And that's how you're going to win this battle. It makes absolutely no sense. And that's just scratching the surface of these strange, inexplicable callings that God puts on his people. Jonah is a prophet of God and he knows and he should know very well that God devises strange callings. It's like this is what he does regularly. Would have helped if he had recalled those. Here's another thing that would have helped. 
In the story of Abraham, very clearly from the very beginning, Abraham is told, you are going to bless the nations. That's why I am blessing you. The goal is not to end with you. The, the goal is to bless all the nations, the entire world. Jonah also fails to recall that God's people have a mission to bless the entire world. It's easy for God's people to forget it because we forget it all the time. Our temperature is low. That's where the temperature comes in. It's a key part of the story. He fails to recall all these things. If we're going to enter or re-enter the story of God, we need to trust the author. We need to recall the story so far, this God who uh, brings and devises all these strange callings, but we also need to yield to the fierce, pursuing love of the author. The fierceness of God's love is seen in the storm. So if you look at verse 4, it says, And the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The Lord sent the storm. We know that. In this case, the storm has come, and Jonah is the cause of it. God sends it. It's a violent storm, so violent that the ship is trying to decide whether to fall apart or not. It's one of the interesting things about this story, the way that it's told. The actual, the way that the story is told in the original language, in the idioms of the original language, the ship becomes a character. And the ship is, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how long I can keep this together. That's, that's the way that the story is told. It's important to understand that not every storm in your life is a result of your own sin, like Jonah's was, but every sin results in a storm of some kind. Every sin. We're living right now in the wake of storms created by sins. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm just talking about life. We're living in the wake of storms created by sins. It's not necessarily your sins. It's sin. It's what we live in. Uh, it's not necessarily others. Um, uh, it's, it's not necessarily others that you even know. It's not like, well, I'm living in this because this person did this. Sometimes, yes. But you and I are living in storms created by sin. Every time we put our interests ahead of God, every time we put our interests ahead of the common good, we bring dysfunction, and we bring it into our families, we bring it into our churches, our communities, and we bring it into our world. And the same is true when others put their own interests ahead of God and the common good. God brings this storm, but as the story unfolds, it becomes clear this storm is not about punishing Jonah for exiting the story. God is pursuing Jonah, and it's a fierce, pursuing love. Now, if you're living in a storm right now that is not necessarily of your own doing, I just want you to, to think about something for a moment. There are people all around you who are living in the results of the storms that you've created. That's just a reality. If you think it's unfair that you should experience that, remember, you've created storms as well. Well, God brings this storm, and he brings it in his pursuit of Jonah, and not just his pursuit of Jonah, but his pursuit of the Ninevites. He wants to accomplish the mission through Jonah. So there's a song we're going to be singing in just a few moments. It's called Fierce by Jesus Culture, and uh, as you sing it, I'm going to go over the words right now because as you sing it, maybe it'll have a little bit deeper meaning, and think of this story and think of how God might be pursuing you 
in your life or how he has pursued you in the past. So the song goes like this. It says, before I call, before I ever cry, you answer me from where the thunder hides. I can't outrun this heart I'm tethered to when every step I collide with you. Like a tidal wave crashing over me, rushing in to meet me here, your love is fierce. Like a hurricane that I can't escape, tearing through the atmosphere, your love is fierce. You cannot fail. The only thing I found is through it all, you never let me down. You don't hold back, relentless in pursuit. At every turn, I come face to face with you. You surround me, you chase me down, you seek me out. How can I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down, you seek me. God is going to do that in your life. You know, when that three-year-old in the story that I told from my sister-in-law, Lynn, and that three-year-old was running for that water, her mom would have tackled her if she could have caught her. She would have risked hurting her daughter. She would have risked maybe even breaking some of her daughter's bones because that would have been better than the possibility of what could happen if she fell in that water, especially when mom can't hardly swim. Um, she would have done that. God is that kind of God. God will not make Jonah yield. Um, he can tackle us, and sometimes he does, but he's going to tackle us through storms and through these kinds of things. But he will pursue him just as fiercely as that mother will pursue a child headed toward danger. Can you see where God's fierce love is possibly pursuing you right now? Maybe to re-enter his story just to be living with him. Maybe it's a, a pursuing to, to be of service to others or to share your faith with the people around you. If that's happening in your life, will you trust him? Will you trust the author? Will you recall his story, the strange callings that he has on his people? You are called to spread the story of His love and grace, even to your enemies. But are you refusing to share it even with your friends and family? Will you yield to His love? As we prepare for communion, I, I want you to think about this. In Jonah's hate for their enemy, he tries to exit the story. He hated them because they are, in his mind, completely outside of God's plans. They are the national enemy. His hate is born in patriotism. His enemies are the sinners that are deserving punishment. He fails to see his own rebellion against God. But as we take communion, remember, Jesus didn't rebel. In fact, Jesus lived a perfect life. And in the story of God, we are his enemies. We're the slashers. We're the ones that have taken his creation, people made in his image, and we've slashed and burned in so many different ways by, by putting ourselves at the center of things. We're the makers of the horror show that our world is for so many people, and maybe even for you right now. But Jesus comes with a message of forgiveness and hope, and he invites us into his story of his grace, amazing grace. He calls us to experience amazing. It changes everything. And he dies so that we can enter the story 
forgiven, made clean, righteous in his death, made righteous in his death and in his blood. The perfect sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't have communion with me here and I don't, I don't need to get it, but I want to encourage you right now to take the bread. If you lift the first little flap on communion, if you're at home uh, watching this, whether on demand or, or live right now, uh, hopefully you have your communion uh, bread and juice ready, cup ready. Take that bread and eat it remembering Christ's body broken for you. And take the cup and eat it, remembering that his blood, or drink it, remembering that his blood was shed for you. Father, we are so thankful that you have provided for us. We are thankful that you pursue us. We, we don't often feel thanks when we're experiencing the storms of our own making, when we're running away from you and you're pursuing us with a fierce love. We oftentimes don't see it. We don't... Ex- we don't, we don't love the experience of it, but Father, we thank you for that fierce love. And I pray that we would yield more and more. And thank you that we can because you gave your body and you shed your blood for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.